Hello, welcome to series two of Shooting Azimuths, a podcast chiefly devised to allow me to chat to the people I admire the most in education. This series features the speakers who will be addressing the Embley Education Conference that takes place on the 14th of April. To find out more about the conference and to book your place, please visit www.embley.org.uk forward slash conference. In today's episode, we talk to Dr. Emma Kell, a teacher and performance coach who specializes in supporting and empowering fellow teachers with a focus on well-being. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jose. Lovely to lovely to be here. You're one of those names I've known for a long time, and uh, I've never spoken to you in person. So it's yeah, absolutely the same. Likewise. So it's so, so lovely to put um, uh, a face to a tweet, isn't it? <laughs> absolutely. So uh, let's just begin with a little bit about yourself, Emma. So so who is Dr. Emma Kell? Um, so Dr. Emma Kell is a teacher. Uh, I teach in an education support centre in Watford. I am uh, um, I'm a teacher who supports and enables other teachers. That's that's how I describe it in the short version. Mm-hmm. And I enable and amplify the voices of other teachers by through my writing uh, on teacher well-being. I train and I facilitate in schools and with governors and head teachers and new teachers on well-being and self-care. Recently published a book with Clemmie Stewart on engaging parents with schools. Um, and I'm also a coach, so I, I'm a performance coach, and so I get to work one-on-one with people within and outside schools, giving them the space and time they need to really think about their values, what they want, what they need, and, and where they can go from here. So, Emma, the work the work that you do is mainly focused on well-being uh, and and how well-being, integrity, and success are inextricably linked. Can can you tell us a little bit more about that? Why is well-being so linked to success in your mind? Yes, and I think this is really important. And I think the older I get, the more I do this work, the less fluffy my work becomes. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not and has never been about what well-being as the bolt on the fluffy stuff, the extra stuff that schools do. I don't know if you remember when Ofsted, when the Ofsted framework started to include well-being, a lot of schools went into panic about mm-hmm. what were they doing extra things could they be doing for staff well-being and I visited a couple of schools and found smiling staff, motivated staff, coffee in the staff room, good levels of staff retention and the main message that I had was you don't need to be doing extra yoga sessions or theatre trips or cooking lessons, it's not about the extra stuff that you're doing. For me well-being is closely linked to living your values, knowing, articulating your values and living those values as far as possible every single day. Um, I've had an amazing career. I didn't know I had educational values mm-hmm. um, for the first years of my career because I was surrounded by people who shared them. That was just how schools were. That was just how teaching was. It was work hard, play hard, mm-hmm. be passionate, get a bit sweary sometimes, not with the children, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, behind closed doors, um, you know, and then channel that frustration back into the passion for improving lives. Um, and it was only when I worked in an organisation where my values weren't matched that I found that actually that's when my well-being really, really suffered mm-hmm. and and really took family and my family relationships with it for, for a while there, put those into, into danger. So for me, well-being is 
not about the extra stuff. It's about getting to the end of a working week and knowing that you have fulfilled your aims overall in that week. No week is perfect, but sitting down on a sofa on a Friday and being able to say, yeah, I've done a good job. I've done a good job. Yeah. Um, nobody in teaching is lazy. And there has been this misconception in some schools that well-being is synonymous with laziness and excuses and mm. working less. It's not even necessarily about working less. It's about the quality of the work we do and the impact that we have. And, and you know, I mean, this most simple version of well-being that, 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 that I came up with recently is how do I know what my job looks like. And by my job, I mean an effective break duty, an effective revision session, an effective starter to a lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I know if I'm successful? So wh- who can I ask? Where can I look? Where do I get that feedback from? And yeah. where can I go when I struggle? It's the fabric of the job. There are different levels of performance in, in your job. And if your feedback is not exactly what you want to hear, and I, I'm, I say this as somebody who's been at the receiving end of feedback that I didn't want to hear, um, and also at the sharp end of giving feedback to other people. So if you look at it from the perspective of the person receiving the feedback, how how can you deal with feedback that you perceive as negative? Oh, God, I've been there too. I'm suddenly, as you're talking, I'm picturing myself sobbing on the floor of my friend's office at school when I didn't get a job, that mm-hmm. an internal job that... I'd gone for and I thought really I thought I had it in the bag Mm. Um, and that's hard and that's about resilience for the individual it's about turning those challenges into learning experiences for the organization it's about the culture it's what we model as leaders around vulnerable none of none of us get it right all the time we all make mistakes we all Mm. I've been teaching for 25 years Mm. last week had taught a lesson and I got out and thought oh my goodness that was that was really not good enough (laughs) Mm -hmm. but we forgive ourselves because children forgive us Mm -hmm. um um, it's about meeting people where they are and and basing that feedback on a fundamental belief that everyone wants to do a good job yeah where the toxic practices can occur when, for example, the success criteria aren't clear in advance. Mm-hmm. So if you're coming to see a lesson, what are you looking for? Yeah. You know, what kind of feedback can I expect? It's about the feedback being transparent, being fair, being based on the fact that actually we're all here for the same reason. We all mm-hmm. here make a difference to these young people's lives. So actually, if that lesson didn't go quite as you thought it would, mm-hmm. Why do you think that was? But also there will be elements of that lesson that were fantastic and, mm. and elements of those relationships that you can pick out. So it, it is a difficult one, you know, to, to, and, and we do. Work, and it's important to this. One of the things um, mm. uh, that I do talk about a lot is our, our, our context. The system is a breaking point. Mm. We are subject top down from our CEOs down, our mm. governors down to um, a set of sometimes arbitrary seeming criteria that come out of nowhere that, you know, uh, our our inspectorate will say it's looking for one thing and then everyone starts speculating about what it might be looking for instead. And then suddenly there are all these Ofsted crib sheets going around and everyone's second guessing what it is that they're, and no one's actually, or people have lost sight of what they actually want for their young people. Mm. And and that, and working in that climate, which, which, which breeds fear, Mm-hmm. And it brings um, um, defensiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, it is hard. It requires a lot of bravery. It requires bravery on the part of the individual mm. 
to be able to say, okay, so that particular lesson or that particular set of books didn't, they're not me. They don't mm-hmm. represent me and what yeah. I stand for. It takes bravery on the part of the person feeding back on a mm-hmm. lesson where the students perhaps weren't getting the best thing they could possibly be getting. And that's what we all want for the students. Yeah. But it's about meeting people wherever they are going in with an assumption, a healthy assumption, that the yeah. staff member wants to do a good job. I once had to um, uh, work with a member of staff who was really struggling and had been for years, and people had avoided that difficult conversation with that member of staff for, for, for literally many years. Yeah. And, and, I, and I remember sitting with this person, and I can't remember the words I used, but basically saying, look, things aren't where you want them to be either, are they? Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't making happy either so let's unpick this and we actually had we had we had tears and we had and we um, but we explored well what support do you need what what, what because everyone needs support sometimes yeah. so if we're in an organization where our leaders model i'm sorry i messed up that time yeah. goodness uh, our leaders are saying well actually there's there's someone else in this school who knows how to do this far better than i do let me ask them for some help yeah and sometimes the best way to to to, to help somebody is to have an honest conversation with them about what's going well and what's not going well and for this particular person, that conversation, and I haven't summarised it very well, but I'm, I'm acutely aware of an anonymity as well, mm-hmm. was a, an absolute game changer. As far as mm-hmm. I know, they're that 15 years on, they're still in teaching mm-hmm. and they're still very happy um, mm-hmm. because they were able to start that dialogue. Whereas everyone just pretending everything's OK all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> um, um, doesn't work for anybody. It sounds, but, it, sounds, it sounds to me that in order to be happy in your job you need to have the right measure of self-belief and self-awareness so Mm. if you if you know the sort of thing that you're able to do but you're also Mm. aware of the bits that you can do better then Mm. that self-awareness brings you along to a place that you feel comfortable that you can extend yourself into um, and at the point that you were making earlier about the success, success criteria is really, really interesting as well, isn't it, Emma? Because we make that a, a, a tenet of our lessons. So we want to make sure that our students know the yeah, success oh. criteria. So when we deal with colleagues, it's only fair to assume that the same principle works. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And we don't always, trans, you know, we teach our students to be rounded, balanced human beings. Well, I hope we do. We do. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, we. Well, I I do. We my yeah. my school does. Uh, and yet and yet, would we want you know our our own lives, our own work life balance? Would we want that for the students we teach? And speaking of students, of course, feedback isn't always structured and in a nice office with a cup of tea. Yeah. Often our feedback comes unsolicited from students at the moments when we least expect it. One of my um, line managers early in my career said to me, "If you want to know how your lessons are really going, ask the students." Yeah. So just um, jot them up a piece of paper. What's going well in these lessons? Um, what what could be even better? Oh, obviously, model to them that you don't want personal comments. Yeah, yeah. But act, or I'm really proud of dot dot yeah. dot. I need some help with. It's a bit like the extension of an, a, a version of I wish my teacher knew, yeah. which uh, we. Uh, uh, I'm yeah, I can definitely see the value in that. But I remember the time I asked my year nines how can improve lessons, and uh, they all voted to have less homework. So. <laughs> it's, oh, oh yeah. Oh, they'll all ask for a swimming pool. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's play football instead. Yeah. Uh, and, but, but one of my, or my, many of my most valuable lessons 
come from that student feedback. You know, there's one story I do tell quite a lot, which was about five years ago, head of English, teacher of set three English, uh, massive pressure to get the results for those students. And I shouted at them and I don't shout. I never mm. shout out now, it's probably where I work now. But I shouted at them and I said, if you don't listen to me, you're going to fail. Yeah. And yeah. one of the girls at the front, and I, I won't say her name, but, um, but I can remember her name. And I can picture her exactly. Um, um, the next day I came back and I said, well, what's, what was wrong with you guys yesterday? And she said, what was wrong with you, miss? And I was completely taken aback. I initially was going to send her out for being rude. Yeah. And then I stood there and I, I processed her words and I actually apologised to the class. Mm. I said, I'm really sorry. I, you know, I'm stressed. And, and I, I took it out on you guys and it mm. wasn't effective and it wasn't kind. Yeah. And it, certainly, it wasn't helpful. And, and that, for me, was such a learning moment in my career. I, I don't think I've shouted since yeah. in a classroom, unless it was with wild excitement. Um, yes, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That, that kind of shouting is allowed. It will, yeah, absolutely. That's really fascinating, Emma. Thank you. Well, let's just go for a little break now. Hello, everyone. I'm Cliff Canning, headmaster at Embley, a wonderful school in stunning grounds near Romsey in Hampshire. On the 14th of April, we'll be hosting our annual education conference. I'm very excited to share with you the wealth of knowledge and expertise that our speakers have to offer. The theme of the conference is leadership at every level. And let me tell you, it's not just a catchy slogan, it's a call to action. Leadership is essential in every aspect of our lives, whether it's the classroom, the boardroom or the sports field. And that's why we've brought together some of the most accomplished leaders in the field to share their stories and insights. But don't take my word for it. Have a listen to our podcast and hear for yourself the valuable insights and advice they have to offer. And once you have a sense of that, head across to our website at www.embley.org.uk forward slash conference and book your place. I look forward to seeing you. So welcome back. Emma, you, you're not a stranger to podcasting yourself. I, you've done quite a few podcasts in your time and you've actually hosted your own podcast with a mutual friend, uh, Clemmy Stewart. What, what can you tell me about your experience with podcasting? Yeah, oh, it was such fun. I mean, Clemmy, Clemmy is one of the funniest people known to humanity anyway. She's completely unpredictable and utterly brilliant. Uh, my husband is a TV producer. It was his idea, actually. Uh, he said, why don't you two do a podcast? So we did. Um, we did. It's not dead yet. We're, we're just uh, capacity has been hit for now, but we'll come back to it. So we, we did a podcast um, which was based on two questions. And it was what did school teach you and what could you teach schools? Going back now, what lessons do you have that you think schools oh, could learn? Oh, interesting. Yeah. And we spoke to all sorts of different people from uh, Fiona Miller to Camilla Tomini. We really were careful to kind of take people from uh, Nalufa Hedaya. Different ends of the spectrum there, wasn't it? Different. Yeah, we tried. We, we really tried to take people from as many different um, sectors as possible. Uh, Janie Godley, the comedian, the Scottish comedian, she was phenomenal. Um, so we we pulled all of our influences yeah. and um, and it was it was really, really really good fun actually and and really did shed a light on how we do things and how we approach Janie in particular talked about trauma and childhood poverty and mm -hmm. really made me sit back and think about you know how I view how I view young people and 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 the impact of hunger on a young person um so yeah it was great fun yeah and yeah you also relatively recently you gained your PhD 
Yes. So it's not a PhD, and, I, and I'm not going to. I'm not. I'm not going to. Oh, do a doctoring that. education. It's a doctor. It's an Ed D. Okay. So it's a, it's a professional doctorate. Um, so it's the, it's exactly the same number of points as a PhD. There are some people high up in academia who might um, split hairs over that, but it's the same level. Um, and it is so. This is one of those. So my daughter was six months old, my youngest. Yep. And I'd been head of languages for several years. And my head teacher was one of these people who he, he himself was constantly inspired by things and constantly looking for ideas. And he invited some people in from Middlesex University. He said, does anyone fancy doing a doctorate? And I found myself in this meeting. God knows how I found myself in this meeting. I had a six month old baby and a two year old at home. I mean, seriously. Um, and one of them in particular, Paul Miller, who is now doing the circuit, he talks about equity, diversity and inclusion. He's amazing. Um, he was one of them. And these people just peaked something in me. It was like someone prodded me and went, oh, but maybe that don't be ridiculous. Oh, but maybe you could. And Paul, I then said, well, I'll, I'll, I'll consider it. And Paul gave me the best advice ever. If you're going to do a qualification at that level, he said, do something you live, breathe and eat for breakfast. Yeah. So I was going to do it on school trips and the impact they have on children's lives. I still think that's fascinating because I used to take kids to Barcelona and Berlin and yeah. Rome and I used to do that every year. Um, but it wasn't my bread and butter. My bread and butter was being a mum and being a teacher. Mm -hmm. So I wrote about balancing teaching and parenthood, um, oh, okay. which basically through the period when my youngest was born to when my youngest was five and my eldest was seven by the time I finished I think around that so so yeah and it's a bit like buying a house or having a child I don't remember the painful bits I've blanked those out um but it was probably the platform for everything I've done since actually I still use the tools from it all the time all the time so when see, I have I'm, a I'm really interested uh, from a very selfish perspective because uh, you know I, I see lots of parallels between between our careers because you've been you know been, you've been ahead of MFL so have I um, yes. you know you you got a podcast so have I um, and you know we're interested in in education more generally to the extent that we participate in things like this and we write blogs and and so on. Um, you've written a book. I've, I've wrote a little book a little while ago about about using technology in education. And and the one thing that um, stands between us now is your doctorate. And I'm thinking to myself, would you recommend teachers like me who are considering to take on a doctorate to go ahead and do it, or perhaps? would you warn us against it? I'll just, uh, my coach is coming out. It's not a barrier. I know loads of people having a massive influence in education and I don't, I don't think they have doctorates, but I don't know. So it's not the doctorate itself isn't what enables me to do what I do. I don't think, but it's a lovely thing to have. And sometimes being able to stand up and say, actually, I'm Dr. Emma Kell, mm -hmm. and being able to use the tools, the tools have been incredible, especially particularly the ethical considerations, anonymizing people's stories, which is so important, um, combined with my coaching qualification, learning to really listen to people's stories, pick out the important bits. I love analyzing um, qualitative data. I don't, don't love analyzing quantitative data. So, mm -hmm. yes, I loved it. You have to love the subject that you pick if you pick something you're going to have to live with it for four five six years yeah. um i would really do your homework and speak to people who are now currently doing doctorates um 
uh, about their university, about mm -hmm. who's supervising. I mean, for me, it was um, initially Paul Miller and then and then and Paul Gibbs. So Paul and Paul, they were both brilliant supervisors. Mm -hmm. um, and, and if it hadn't been for them, mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure I would have got through. Not all of us got through. In fact, quite a mm -hmm. tiny proportion of it, mm -hmm. us actually finished compared to those who started. It's um, tough, isn't it? So it, it, it 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 is tough. The support of of, of your loved ones is really important. Mm -hmm. I think my husband utterly bemused and is utterly utterly bemused to this day. But he really respected and admired the fact that I was doing it and saw that it made me happy. So mm -hmm. I would go to Starbucks every Sunday morning and work for three hours while he looked after the children. Um, and and I, I I found this self discipline that I didn't know I possessed and haven't possessed since. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, there was a stubbornness. I am. My, I dropped my daughter at nursery on a Friday, um, or the childminder. She was tiny, so I got some kind of childcare mm. on a Friday at quarter nine, and I'd pick her up at twelve o'clock. And those three hours, I sat at the kitchen table, mm. and I did nothing, no housework, didn't play with the cats, just worked my socks off because I was determined. I loved it. And, and it and it is, you know, the community of people who are doctors, it, mm -hmm. it does. It gains you kudos, if not salary. Mm -hmm. It certainly gains you a kind of weightiness. But I know a lot of people doing phenomenal work in education mm -hmm. who just so happen not to have doctorates. So you mentioned at the beginning, you mentioned your book, uh, which is titled How to Survive in Teaching. To what extent doing the, 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 the doctorate help you with the with the book or, or are they completely unrelated? No, they're, they're very much related. So in my memory, the book came out of the doctor, but it didn't. You talked about blogging. The mm. book came out of blogging. Yeah. So I was going through a tough time and I was blogging. I was mm. blogging carefully, but I mm. was blogging various issues related to education. In hindsight, it was nearly all related to well-being. And this is, this is going to sound nuts. Um, a woman called Helen Diamond at Bloomsbury uh, sent me a DM through my blog saying, yeah. I really like your blog. Would you like to write a book? And I thought my heart, I remember, you know, those moments, you remember where you are? I was in the GP, um, the GP waiting room and I texted my husband with a screenshot saying, ha ha, very funny. Uh, and it wasn't a joke. So somebody did ask you to write a book. Yeah. Yeah. Put yourself out there, blog, speak, write, shout, be controversial. Don't mm. be unkind. Don't mm. fight with people for no reason. Don't pile on people. But be controversial. Ask questions, because someone's somewhere is watching you. Know, watching you. You know the conference coming up is all about leadership at all levels. You're a leader yeah. by putting your voice out there. You're a leader. Um, so it was completely, completely random. But I used pretty much all of the tools from my doctorate in the book. Mm -hmm. So my first book's quite weighty. My second book's a little book with Adrian. The first book's quite weighty. So I used almost the same structure in mm -hmm. terms of looking. Dis looking at the current context, disadvantages, advantages, mm. um, which I use in nearly everything I write. So that mm. structure of my doctorate, which took months to settle on, mm. um, you know, the methodology, then the analysis, and then the three key sets of findings, negative yeah. uh, context, negative, positive. I use that structure in, a, in it's embedded. And, and also the, um, the, the survey. So I'd made... My Twitter came out of my doctorate because I needed people to answer the survey for my doctorate. Obviously. That's how I joined And then, so I already had a network of people who'd, bless them, willingly answered this survey. Mm -hmm. I then did a survey for the book 
and managed to get over two, two I think 2,300 and something responses, thanks mm. to my Twitter work. So they will, I mean, one of my best friends jokes somewhat unkindly that Twitter wrote my doctorate and my book. Um, there's a, there's a, there's <laughs> I, I have to say that I, I am very grateful to Twitter for many things that have happened to me, many good things that have happened. I mean, lately things are changing in Twitter uh, to, to, to a degree that I'm not quite sure what's going on. But um, I have to say Twitter has been a great positive influence in, in my, my life and in my career. So so I see exactly what you mean. Um, now, uh, Emma, you also mentioned the conference. Uh, so we we you are um, uh, presenting at the conference. Uh, we're very fortunate to 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 have you. Um, as you mentioned, the, the the conference is the Embley Education Conference, which takes place on the 14th of April. Um, uh, tickets are on sale now, so you know just Google us and and, and buy uh, book your place. Um, you are coming to present. What are you going to be talking about? Well, I've got all day, haven't I? Because uh, I can talk all day. Um, <laughs> no, I'm going to be talking about well-being. I have. I've said. I've actually sent you a list of about ten things, so which could happily cover all day. I could just have a rolling program. People could dip in and out. Um, <laughs> I'm joking. Um, I no, am no. going to talk about. So I've actually just been thinking about this. I want to bring that link between well-being and effectiveness I want to really examine that the conference is about leadership yes and leadership in education at the moment is tough um because as leaders we want to look after everyone else most of us want to keep people happy no one likes making people unhappy mm -hmm. but at the core of what we do is raising standards for young people and our society is fractured the levels of vulnerability the levels of need out there are astronomical and schools have to be doing their best to raise those life chances of those young people. That isn't always compatible with staff well-being, and it's a messy, tricky balance. And two of the things I've been talking to head teachers about recently, and this is going to sound a bit controversial, but that's fine. I said be controversial. Are the weaponization of well-being. Okay. You can't observe my lesson because that makes me stressed and that's bad for my well-being. No, you can't do a learning walk um, because your feedback made me sad last time. Mm. Links right to your first question. Yeah. And one of the things I will argue, second controversial point, is that well-being is never an excuse for poor practice. Mm. We have, and, and, and this comes back to my doctorate, when you argue a, a point, in a doctorate you have to be able to argue the opposite so my argument was very simple happy people do mm -hmm. better jobs there you yeah. go that's that's my doctorate. there you go that you take it use it um <laughs> uh, if, if you're if you're a happy mum then you do likely to be a happy teacher yeah. i had to look at the opposite argument the opposite argument is a functionalist utilitarian view which is that you have a job description you're being paid a salary mm. get on with it <laughs> get on with it you know, just now that view is harsh, but it there's something in it. There's something sometimes, and you're a leader as well, mm. sometimes in our work, we need to say to someone, look, I'm sorry, you were asked to do this. You yeah. were you're not given the standards, yeah. guides how to do it, standards. Mm. You were offered support because we've got to be reasonable as leaders. We've got to make sure people know what to do, know where the support yeah. is. And you just haven't done it. So do you need some help? Are you struggling? In which case, either I'm here or there's someone there who will mm. support you. 
or is there something else going on? So what I actually, the main thing I want to talk about is that, I think. Um, I think I want to talk about how as leaders we hold people accountable whilst creating culture in which they are able to thrive and feel proud and happy. I've used the word happy deliberately mm. about their jobs. Uh, and that is hard. And that is about not trying to fix people. It's about not doing people's jobs for them. Oh, yeah. the number of times I hear it's just easier for me to do it. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. About investing in training and support and creating cultures where people can ask for help and they can be honest. Mm. Why didn't you do it? I forgot. Yeah, no. I, I forgot a coaching session two weeks ago. I forgot. I just forgot. I forgot I had a coaching session with somebody. I had to profusely apologise. I forgot. My diary messed up. No yeah. excuses. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I just put it in my diary. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, but but ultimately, if those children aren't getting the best deal we can offer them, our system isn't doing what we came in to make it do. We have to so look that, at, yeah, we have to look at that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and how leaders protect themselves as well, because leaders are actually, I mean, I know this is leaders at all levels, but senior leaders, middle leaders are, are highly vulnerable, according to the latest data on well-being. And so how they are safeguarding their own and putting those boundaries in place, because you could work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and there'd still be someone not happy with you. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, indeed. <laughs> that, that you describe a picture to, with which I'm rather familiar. Um, uh, <laughs> Um, Emma, it's been a delight talking to you. Um, uh, I've got so much out of it. I hope folks listening um, feel the same. Uh, we're really looking forward to welcoming you uh, to Embley. Hope to see you on the 14th. I mean, we're looking forward to seeing you on the 14th and hope to see everyone listening or many of you listening uh, at Embley. Goodbye. I'll wear silver boots. Bye-bye. Look forward to it. Thank you for listening to Shooting Azimuths. Please don't forget to check the Embley Education Conference website www.embley.org.uk forward slash conference and subscribe to this podcast to be notified when the next podcast episode is available. Goodbye for now. <laughs>